You're listening to the Fertility Docs Uncensored Podcast, featuring insight on all things fertility from some of the top-rated doctors around America. Whether you're struggling to conceive or just planning for your future family, we're here to guide you every step of the way. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Susan Hudson with Fertility Docs Uncensored. I am here today with my co-host, Dr. Carrie Bedient from Fertility Center of Las Vegas. Hello. And Dr. Abby Evelyn from Nashville Fertility Center. Hi, everybody. And I have the special privilege of introducing our two guests today. We have Dr. Natalie Berger, who's one of my partners at Texas Fertility Center. Howdy. And we have Sadie Minkoff from Sage Acupuncture in Austin, Texas. Hello. How are you guys doing? Very great. Great. Thank you for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you both for joining us today. We are delighted to be going on, kind of branching off into a different area than we've talked about so far on the podcast. I think there's a lot to explore, especially, yeah, in this day and age. Um, I realize that we are finding new ways to advance medicine and to integrate things. And so, yeah, before when we, you know, went through learning and, and medical school and such and learning a very specific way of doing things, it's, it's neat to see how things have evolved and changed, and especially in these new times, to understand how we can you know, better take care of the whole person and the whole situation. And Natalie, you've spent a, quite a bit of time in China yourself, haven't you? A little bit. We've um, made a few trips over there in the last few years, and we have a special interest in Shanghai, actually. Uh, I have two kiddos, and uh, they go to a local Spanish immersion school where you're also learning some Mandarin. And my husband and I thought it would be cool to go over there and sort of explore um, an area of the world we really had not explored before. And we found, like, Shanghai had a lot of fascinating history, and uh, it's a very cosmopolitan and diverse area. So we really have been enchanted by, you know, that area. So yeah, I've We've certainly had the pleasure of, of being, you know, in that area recently. So Natalie, I've never been to China and I love to go. And I know it's a huge country. So it would be like saying, OK, if you're going to the United States of America, where would be the place you'd go? So I know the China's the same way. But if you're going to China, where would you go if you had one place to pick? I mean, currently, there's still so much to explore with Shanghai that it would still be Shanghai currently, even though there is such a vastness of the country. And it's amazing to understand how many cities they have that have over 10 million people. It's just crazy. Um, so wow. it's, it's interesting going to cities which you've never heard of before, and yet they're enormous and much, you know, much, much bigger than you ever would have expected. Um, so yes, we have barely touched, you know, the surface of China, but I think especially because Shanghai still has so much to offer, we've sort of um, got a little bit of comfort going to that particular area, you know, a couple times now. I would love to have the time to explore that even further. Yeah, I know it's interesting too. When you look at studies that come out of China in our um, field in reproductive medicine, you know, we may have a few hundred people in a study and they have like 500,000, I mean, just an enormous number of patients, um, fertility patients. So yeah, something people don't realize that they actually have a lot of need for fertility um, help there too. A lot of people, you know, feel like, oh gosh, there are a lot of people who live in China. They're, how could they have fertility issues? But they have an enormous number of patients who have challenges. And um, so, yeah, it has been fascinating also to talk to some providers of fertility medicine in the area and understand how they do things somewhat similar to us and somewhat different than us. Um, yes. 
but it is, it's a fascinating area. Well, I am so excited to talk about all this today. Um, I'd like to do a little segue for our Ask the Doc segment. So our Ask the Doc segment today is asking, how long do I stay with my fertility doctor after I get pregnant? And I think sometimes for us, the unspoken question is, well, why can't we just stay with you <laughs> way that through? That is true. We hope they say that, Carrie. We hope they say that. We hope they say that. I mean, maybe I've just been fortunate and that nobody's been rude enough to say, oh, thank God I'm done with you. <laughs> <laughs> so we take care of people till they're about 10 weeks along. And then at that point, we do one final check to make sure baby's growing well, heartbeat is well behaved, everything is tracking, and then they graduate from us and we send them back to their OB at that point. Is that right around the time when you guys send as well? About the same here, you know, in Nashville. I, I think, you know, I kind of joke that, yeah, I'm, I'm boarded as an OBGYN, but I've sort of forgotten all those important parts of, you know, you got to do this at 28 weeks. And, you know, so, so it's probably best that you go into your OBGYN um, at that point. They know how to do all that stuff better than I do. <laughs> I, I always explain it as we want to get it to the sweet spot of that. We feel very comfortable that you're going to go on, see your regular OB and everything is going to be successful and be as wonderful as we expect. Um, but it's early enough that you can go in, do your first trimester testing if you want to have that done and have, have that continuity that you really need through your entire pregnancy. Yeah, I think, yeah, in Austin, we do something very similar as well too. We know that by eight to 10 weeks, we can generally discern between pregnancies that have you know, started petering versus parentheses that are flourishing. And really at that point when they're transitioning to OBGYN, we can really reassure patients that their overall risk of miscarriage is generally pretty low. And also the fact that a lot of patients will be interested in doing that first trimester genetic testing at the end of the first trimester, we don't offer that. So it would be a certainly very appropriate time to be efficient in transitioning to their OB provider at that point. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, Sadie, um, tell us how, how things work kind of in your practice. Yeah. So interestingly, we don't discontinue care after 10 weeks. We continue. And our, our ideally, our care starts preconception because the foundation of our medicine is health in, in its foundation. So what we really want to do is have people be strong in their immunity, in their sleep, their digestion, their um, stress management, how their emotions are doing in their lives. And so from that, we can build on our reproductive health or a strong pregnancy or anything really. So, um, so because of that, we actually take people preconception through their reproductive health care and then through their pregnancy and even postpartum. And Sadie, just to clarify, you, and not to put you in a category, but we tend to practice Western medicine and you tend to practice Eastern medicine, correct? That's absolutely right. Yes. Yes. And so traditional Chinese medicine is what I practice and that involves several different pillars. So acupuncture is probably the one that is most well known to the general population. Um, but it also involves nutritional therapy. Um, we do a lot of supplementation and what you're putting into your body to, again, build that strong foundation. It also includes um, gentle exercise. Again, people have usually heard of like Tai Chi or Qigong, which, um, you know, it's again, it works with the body. So we're not overtaxing the body and we're not sedentary. We obviously 
know that for reproductive health, too little exercise is not good and too much exercise is not good. So we work with people's lives in, in that fashion. Um, what's also really interesting about the work that we do is that we really utilize our um, diagnostic methods to look at each person individually. So, um, which is, is challenging to study, but we have a very um, elaborate method of seeing the patterns in one unique individual that then lead to their health concern, whether it be you know, reproductive issues or even a headache. So if several people come to me with migraines, we are definitely going to treat them all differently and uniquely based on their pattern, their triggers, how it manifests for them. And so our tools again, our acupuncture, lifestyle, nutrition, and guidance in how to live a healthy life. For our listeners who haven't ever maybe delved into acupuncture, I can say the first time I did acupuncture was when I was going through my own fertility care. So that was an adventure. Um, and my, my understanding is still very, very limited. Um, but kind of explain to our listeners what exactly is acupuncture and what's kind of the premise behind it. Yeah, that's a great question that I get often. And in essence, what we're doing is just stimulating the body to elicit a, a response, right? So our systems, as you all know, are trying to maintain homeostasis all the time or balance or health all the time. So um, we are always responding to our internal and external environment. And what acupuncture does is it uses these tiny little hair fine needles to in, in nerve rich areas to stimulate the body to elicit a response. So what does that look like? It looks like increased circulation. It looks like modulating the immune system. It looks like balancing hormones. Uh, it looks like um, balancing stress um, response of the body. So because of that, we're really, the needle is just um, an instrument or a tool that we're using to help the body do what it can do at its best and optimize health, you know, because our systems are wise way beyond as much as we know about health. Our, our bodies are infinitely, you know, hold more wisdom. So so we rely on that and then we can stimulate them. And we have, you know, it's a, it, it, there is a system again of this point does this, this point does that. But really what we're doing is going into the whole and seeing how we can, can get everything working optimally. So I almost feel guilty asking this question because I really hate it when people ask me this question about fertility treatment. They always go, oh, well, how much does it hurt? And I'm like, I mean, you know, you probably wouldn't choose to do it for fun on a Saturday night, but most people do just fine. Um, and having had acupuncture, I already know the answer to this, but just putting a bunch of needles in you hurt. So, you know, we actually want to elicit some sensation, but it should not hurt. And then, you know, again, they're very tiny, tiny things. So most people associate acupuncture with like a hypodermic needle that you guys use. And it is a very different experience. I'm just going to be very honest. I had and kind of still have a needle phobia, like no joke. 
pass out just like hearing if I was never going to get acupuncture, let alone become an acupuncturist. But um, I, I had an injury, my friend convinced me, and it was such a different experience than what I expected and what most people anticipate. And, and once you get one treatment sort of under your belt and you get comfortable with the process, you look forward to it. I mean, it is, my office is a sanctuary where people come to relieve stress. And it's sort of like the best nap you've ever had, you know, in that 20 minutes. And it really is rejuvenating and, and a, a pleasant experience. So Natalie, tell me how you and Sadie work together to enhance fertility for your patients. Yeah, we've had numerous patients together over many years. And so I realized, you know, there are certain populations of folks that I will talk more specifically about acupuncture with. And I feel like there are a few different scenarios that really acupuncture may help out with infertility. Um, Number one, you know, technically infertility itself is a very encompassing challenge physically, emotionally, financially, and otherwise. And so often we on the clinical side of things are focusing on the nuts and bolts of how to fix the problem, but sort of ignoring sort of the emotional, mental parts of fertility. And a lot of times patients may not feel like they specifically need a um, counselor or therapist, but they want sort of a coach to help them through this process. And those patients tend to do very well with that collaboration of acupuncture and sort of um, fertility coaching that Sadie and her team provide. I've had patients also who've had um, issues with irregular cycles and knowing that we can certainly step in with using ovulation agents to help with those. But sometimes these patients also do well with introducing acupuncture, making some modifications in their you know lifestyle and diet as well too. Um, I've certainly had patients who've done IVF in the past who've not responded as well as we would have predicted based upon their testing. And I've especially, you know, recommended them to consider acupuncture to help assist them. Um, I've had patients before who've had issues with, you know, uh, tobacco use and other things they're trying to, or headaches or asthma. They're looking for more holistic ways of uh, addressing some of these lifestyle issues and getting off the, the smoking and other things. And a lot of times acupuncture has been helpful with that. So, you know, it's true that there are a number of different patient scenarios that I will consider acupuncture with. And, you know, like I said before, I think it's, it's really um, amazing that Sadie and her team really are not just acupuncturists, but they're like, they're, they're somewhat therapists and coaches and they really provide a lot more emotional support then we are able to provide in the clinical side of things. And I think the collaboration, you know, works wonderfully. So we've been very lucky to work with Sadie and her team for many years. Yeah. So um, I am a huge advocate of therapy for people. What's interesting about what we do is that it actually on some level gets people out of their mind, you know, and allows them to just reset, you know, physically and emotionally. And then I think, of course, it's, very important work to process, you know, mentally and, and talk therapy, but this is a different piece of the puzzle that is, is incredibly helpful. And we know that, um, you know, there's some debate as to the effect of stress on reproductive health, but we all, I think can agree that reproductive challenges are very stressful. 
And so to support people going through this process, um, you know, what we do, and, and I, I love that aspect of our work that we really get to know people, they feel very comfortable with us, and then we, they leave our office feeling better than when they came in. Sadie, I'd be interested to know, and I know this is a really big question that we could talk about for a lot longer, but if you had to pick two or three supplements, because I get this question all the time, what would you choose for patients to take that may, you know, perhaps improve their fertility? Sure. So again, we really do this um, on a very individualized basis, what we recommend, because there's so much information out there and it can be very overwhelming and confusing for people, you know, just sort of looking on the internet. I think for, for doctors and for patients. Right. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, um, and so again, I don't want people taking all the supplements. I want them taking what's appropriate for their unique situation. But I think that um, across the board, uh, I think that everybody obviously should be on a good prenatal vitamin and um, a DHA supplement is very helpful. And, and tell our listeners why you think that each thing's important. Sure. Well, you know, a prenatal vitamin is going to give them all of their foundational resources as well as, you know, folic acid to prevent neural tube defect. And, um, and again, it's sort of just touching on all the basics. And then um, uh, DHA or fish oil can be derived. I do supplement with it, but it can also be, you know, gotten from through food and nutritional therapy. Um, very good at supporting uh, fetal development, circulation, and um, and in general, good fats have been shown to increase reproductive health. And then one thing that, um, you know, there are precious few things that we can do for advanced maternal age and diminished ovarian reserve. And so one of the supplements that we use often is CoQ10. And, you know, I, I, that I think everybody is aware of, but it really is important that we utilize all our resources. And that's one that we do have some good data on um, and why not? So the thing that I like to make sure people are doing is taking it correctly, which means that they're getting an appropriate dose because people take CoQ10 for all kinds of health reasons and longevity and things like that because it works on the energy. I find CoQ10 is one of the most confusing because of, you've got CoQ10, you've got ubiquinol, you have all these different units. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so this, right. So I look at the studies and, and we use what was used in the study. I also do like, um, can I say brand names? Sure. Okay. <laughs> Uncensored, you know, you can say anything. Okay. You also don't get any support from anybody. So, you know, <laughs> they all want. Yeah. Um, so I do like the brand um, from Therologics, which is NeoQ10. And the reason that we use that, I know some of you use it as well. Is because it's a one a day and it's, they have a formulation where it's very bioavailable. So um, instead of taking six pills a day, you can just take that one and it's really formulated specifically for reproductive health. So that's why I like that product. And so the translation is that you want 600 milligrams a day um, for fertility specifically um, however, theirs is the equivalent to that. And it, it turns out to be around 750 that you're getting a day for something like, like Parkinson's, you would double that dose 
is what the studies show. But certainly you don't want to reduce it. Yeah. So can you mention why can you mention why coenzyme Q10 is sort of the wonder drug for aging? Why why is it beneficial? Right. Well, it, it works on the mitochondria, which is the energy powerhouse of, you know, um, the cell. And so we know that the ovaries are like the most important area for um, mitochondria uh, activity. Like there, there's so many, it's, it's incredible. I think it's like the most um, abundant source in different tissues in the body. And so they're thinking that that is um, where the benefit of, of CoQ10 comes in. You guys can tell me more about this, but um, I know that there've been some studies um, looking at mitochondrial replacement for fertility. So of course, I, I will leave that to you. But um, from our perspective, we want to, again, look at the foundation. Where's the energy coming from for what we're asking these cells to do and how is replication happening? So that is um, it. There are also food sources of CoQ10, you know, green vegetables. Hi, getting back a little bit to the acupuncture, can, can you give us a little bit of an explanation of how acupuncture kind of, how does it affect reproductive health? Um, you know, my, my general way of explaining it is thousands of years of Chinese medicine can't be completely wrong. Um, can you give me, can you give me a, like a little more educated? A more, a more professional explanation. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. a great question, yeah. Susan. I have the same problem. Yeah. So, you know, we do sort of speak a different language, which is, can be challenging, right? Um, but ultimately we're looking at the same person who is struggling and how can we help them? And so um, when we look at sort of the, the biomedical, what we know that acupuncture does, we know that it increases circulation, which means that, you know, what is circulation? It's the messenger. It brings hormones to their target sites. It brings the medication to their target sites. Yeah. And it brings oxygen, it brings nutrients, and it takes away waste. So just the, that alone, which seems like a little thing, like increases circulation, but that could be what's happening when we see better results with ovarian reserve. Um, it helps the immune system, which is very mysterious about how that impacts reproductive health. Yet we do think that there could be something to look at there. And we know that acupuncture helps that. Um, acupuncture, again, helps balance balances hormones because we can help it, you know, work on the pituitary and um, balance cortisol and release endorphins and really support um, stress, which again is such, uh, has such a big impact on health overall. And when we have health, you know, in general, we can then again, with the needles, direct resources specifically to the reproductive organs. And I was wondering, I mean, we're certainly lucky to have you and your team in the Austin area, but if there are patients with infertility who are looking for, you know, fertility acupuncturist, are there some recommendations that you could make for, you know, who to look for, what kind of organization or um, certifications should they be looking for for an acupuncturist? Absolutely. So you should, there's an organization I'm on the board of, which is called the American Board of Oriental Reproductive Medicine. And we have a great website with people from all over the world. And they, we've you know, gone through a rigorous um, testing process. They've all had to sit a board exam and then continue with continuing education. 
And most of the practitioners there specialize and focus their practice solely on reproductive health. So that's one great resource. People don't have to be a part of that organization to be very good at what they do. Um, but you do want to seek out, obviously, a licensed acupuncturist. Um, licensure is by state. We also have national licensure, which um, involves testing. And you, everyone at a minimum holds um, a four-year master's degree in reproductive or in oriental medicine. Um, and then somebody who know, you know, has experience in, in working with this patient population is sort of key. I think that's above all else is that they know what they're doing. You know, they know the Western part of the puzzle as well as the Eastern so that we can sort of, you know, marry those two and have the best outcomes possible. Do you notice that you tend to have differing, obviously there's differing opinions about how to treat different types of disease and things that are going wrong in the body because they're, the education is very different, but do you find that there's ever strong differences in opinion between, you know, what you and your team are recommending for a patient versus what the fertility doctor is, is recommending? And how do you balance those two things? Because you never want any medical team to be in conflict with each other. Like, how do you balance those things out? I like yeah. to hear that from both Sadie and Natalie. <laughs> well, so I think that what you said is, is the most important thing, which is that we never want the patient to, to feel like there's conflict between their team members. And so I can, I can just speak for myself that when I'm working with someone um, and they're not engaging in Western medicine, of course, because I know, I know reproduction so well, I know all of the you know, things that they should be testing, that we're checking all the right boxes, that they're making smart, educated choices about their health. Um, but if that is the case, then, you know, I, I'm leading that ship and really they're leading the ship. Of course, it's their body, it's their health. Um, but once we refer to Western docs, especially a reproductive endocrinologist, if that they're at that stage, I sort of hand over the um, steering wheel to, to them and I am a support person in that process. And so, um, you know, again, I think that education is key. I think that um, working together is really important. And each doctor is very unique as well. So it depends who I'm working with, what their comfort level is. But I'm going to put the patient first and, and help them with best options. Yeah. So, Natalie, I'm curious. When you send a patient to Sadie... Do you write a prescription for, okay, I think this patient needs acupuncture or this patient needs medicine, medicinal treatment, or, or do you just hand her over to Sadie and say, you know, do what you do best and I'll do what I do best? That's pretty much what happens. Because basically, <laughs> I know the Western part, but Sadie and her team are experts on the other part of the medicine. So when I'm sending someone, you know, to Sadie and her team, I don't give a prescription for what they need. I would want Sadie and her team to evaluate the patient and come up with the individualized plan. And, you know, I've had patients sometimes ask me like, well, how often should I do acupuncture? I'm like, well, listen to Sadie and her team, because again, this is something that I'm not an expert in, but I have a lot of immense like trust um, in their services and their support. And so I think, you know, communication is key here. And Sadie and, and I have talked many, many times about various patient scenarios and 
we are fortunate that we a lot of times are working in the same or in the similar physical space. And so we have um, the opportunity to talk, you know, more often than say if we had completely um, separate offices. Um, but I think communication is key for us in terms of making sure that we are, like you were saying, marrying the best of both worlds and making the patient feel as fully supported as possible. I realize every clinic may have their own relationship with an acupuncturist uh, group in the area, or they may have acupuncturists on staff. But yes, we are certainly lucky to have had such great communication over the years with Sadie and her team. And so it's never been anything but a seamless you know, relationship. How do partners fit into this? You know, we've sort of implied that you, that you take care of the female partner, but what about other partners? Do you take care of male or female partners that are, you know, that are also trying to help in the, the reproduction process? We do. We um, help with semen parameters. Uh, another interesting thing that I think about is um, like DNA fragmentation and basically inflammation and how that's impacting um, male reproductive health. And so I, I'm going to be really honest, women are usually the driving force, as you know, in all of this. Um, I love it when partners That's come. Be, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I love it when partners come to the initial consultation, actually, because they have their input and their perspective. And they're like, well, actually, honey, you know, you, you do have a little PMS or whatever it is, <laughs> but, um, but it really is a team effort. Like we, we know that. And so to have everyone on board makes all the difference in the world, even if it's about uh, capacity to follow through with what I'm recommending. Um, because if everybody's eating the same thing or exercising together or working through strong emotions, the team is is going to be that much better. So we can help semen parameters, but even more, I think when we have a solid front with couples, um, it's you know that much better for outcomes. I think that holds true in both Western medicine and Eastern medicine. I I definitely um, find that there is power in there being a group effort of moving forward. So if you had, um, both of you, if you could give us like some final kind of words of advice um, when it comes to um, offering patients um, alternative therapies from one direction or the other, what, what would you want our listeners to come away from this with? Well, I, I think that um, the takeaway is that we wanna build a strong foundation of health. So if that if people have the luxury of time to start thinking about the big picture, then we are the place to go and we know how to support them and we will you know create a plan and guide them through it. Um, by the time they're engaging with Western medicine, we're really there to to get them through that challenge and to to optimize their potential for success. So um, I think it's never too soon to start working um, together. And then you have lots of options, you know, and there are people that are available to you. So I know that fertility can often, it's just so stressful and definitely can be isolating and challenging. And it's really wonderful to have a place where people can know what you're talking about, have all the answers to your questions and guide you through this process. That was beautifully stated by the way. Um, so just, you know, a summary statement for me would be 
that, you know, we would love to be able to solve all the problems uh, for infertility in our world. We know that in Western medicine, there are limitations. Uh, we know in Eastern medicine, there are limitations. And I think that the best overall outcome is looking at, you know, both, both uh, types of medicine to really give us the optimal outcome. And I've certainly had patients that I have not been able to succeed with that I've sent to Sadie and her team that have succeeded. And I'm open to that because in the end, the most important thing is the pregnancy and getting to conception and having a successful, healthy pregnancy, no matter how that is. Um, so I am excited about using both kinds of medicine, you know, to move towards that end goal. Beautifully said, beautifully said. Thank you so much to Natalie and to Sadie for joining us today. Um, to our audience, thanks for listening and be sure to tune in next week for more. Also, please subscribe and leave us reviews in iTunes. We'd love to hear from you. You can also visit us on fertilitydocsuncensored.com to schedule an appointment or you can ask specific questions and that will be answered in our Ask the Doc segment. So don't hold back. The more embarrassing the question, the better. Thanks so much for listening. This has been Dr. Susan Hudson of Texas Fertility Center, Dr. Abby Eblen of Nashville Fertility Center, and I'm Dr. Carrie Beating of the Fertility Center of Las Vegas. We will be with you next time. Take care. Bye. Bye. Later.